So tonight's message is just entitled Encouragement. Just simply encouragement. So I want you to turn in your Bibles to Second Chronicles, please. You know, encouragement is something that we all need. It doesn't matter whether you're young or whether you're old, male or female. We all need encouragement. You know, even in the, the, the animal king, you think of your small dog. You know you can encourage it. You know, it'll do tricks for you. Now, you've got to bribe it with something to eat or some bit of food or a treat. But we all need encouragement. I was just thinking there's many um, scriptures in the Bible which you would, you would class, it's all encouraging, but there's ones in particular that you would say, that's an encouraging scripture. And if I was to ask you tonight, what is a scripture that you find encouraging? Maybe you would go Hebrews 13 and 5, for he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Maybe Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Romans 8, 37, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Romans 8 and 39, nothing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Maybe Romans 7, verse 31, if God be for us, who can be against us? Maybe Isaiah 1, 18, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as wool. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as white as snow. Psalm 91, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And one we are very familiar with, Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans that I think towards you, saith the Lord. Plans to give you hope and a future and a perfect end. And every one of those maybe is familiar to you. And maybe some of those are, are, are more familiar to you or mean more to you because in a situation, maybe something in your life that you've been through in the past, or maybe even going through at the moment, it has encouraged you. It has given you a scripture that God has said, stand in my word. You know, it says about David, he encouraged himself in the Lord. And I'm sure he thought back over past trials, past things, that, that, <laughs> the troubles that he had been through. And he encouraged himself how the Lord had met his need back then. And he's encouraged himself saying, the Lord can meet my need today. You know, there's plenty of other scriptures. But whatever scripture it is, it has touched and encouraged us in some way or another. And life being what it is, we need encouragement. Because life at times is tough. We go through things. Things come our way right out of the blue. And we think, what is happening here? And we need the encouragement. And it's great when someone can come alongside and encourage you, maybe in your job or in your, in, in, in just in your everyday life, maybe in parenting, maybe in your marriage. Someone can come alongside and encourage us. And that's good. But even more encouragement we need, we need the encouragement of God. We need the encouragement of God that knowing God is involved in our lives. You need it and I need it. Through trial, through tribulation. We need to know that the Lord is there. So with that in mind, I want to encourage you tonight with a scripture that, that maybe it's not a scripture that's familiar to you, but I remember reading this scripture a couple of years back and it really encouraged me. And I think it gives an insight into the aspects often encouraging scripture. There's three things I want to show you tonight from this scripture 
that I think are found in every encouraging scripture in one way or another. One aspect of it or all three together. So that's why I got you to turn to Second Chronicles 16 and 9. Second Chronicles 16 and 9 says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. And we'll come back to the rest of the scripture there in a minute. But for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect towards him. And the first thing that this scripture tells us, the first aspect of an encouraging scripture that we need to know, that is that he sees us. That he sees us. He sees me. He sees you. His eyes run to and fro throughout the whole earth. God's eyes are upon you and I tonight as his people. We have a God who sees tonight. We have a God whose eyes are fixed firmly upon us tonight. Do you know the enemy of our soul to tell us that God doesn't care about us? That he's not interested in where we are. But that's a lie. Because God's eyes are fixed upon us tonight. And we see an immediate contrast between this, the eyes of the Lord, and the world. Because the eyes of the Lord are not upon the world in this particular way. Because his eyes upon his saints, he looks at us differently. The Bible says about the world, the idols of the heathen are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. They have mouths, but they speak not. Eyes have they, but they see not. The world is different from us tonight because their gods don't see. Their gods have eyes that are false. They don't see their pain. They don't see the hurt. They don't see the struggles. What use is that? What use is that? How can this help man? But our God sees us tonight. Be encouraged tonight. The eyes of the Lord are fixed upon his people. And his eyes are actively following us. Wherever you go, his eyes follow you. Wherever you find yourself, his eyes follow you. It says to and fro throughout the whole earth. As we move in the fields that we have to move in, his eyes is upon us. We think of the story of Moses. We know it all very well. How Moses, as a baby, they were killing the children and his mother put him in the wicker basket. The wicker basket, that's a, there's another word, but I can't think of it off the top of my head. And she put it into the, into the Nile and it floated down and Pharaoh's daughter picked him up and loved him and brought him up. And he grew to be a mighty man. And he was a man called of God. He was a man that had a calling in his life. And we know how as he grew, Harry murdered one of, the, one of the Egyptians, the Egyptian taskmaster that was beating the Jewish people. And Harry ran for his life. And he ended up in the backside of the desert. But the eyes of the Lord were still upon Moses. Even in the backside of the desert, his eyes were upon him. And I'm sure Moses felt, I've missed it, I've blown it, it's gone. But the eyes of the Lord were still upon Moses. 
Turn with me to Luke 8, please. Another familiar story, but just to illustrate how the Lord sees. And this is the story of the man of Gadara. And let's just read a few verses. Now it came to pass on a certain day that he went into a ship with his disciples, and he said unto them, Let us go over onto the other side of the lake. And they launched forth, but as they sailed, he fell asleep, and there came down a storm of wind on the lake, and they were filled with water and were in jeopardy. And they came to him and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we perish. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water, and they ceased, and there was a calm. And he said unto them, Where is your faith? And they, being afraid, wondered, saying one to another, What manner of man is this? For he commandeth even the winds and the water, and they obey him. And they arrived at the country of the Gadarenes, which is over against Galilee. And when he went forth to land, there met him out of the city a certain man which had devils long time, and wore no clothes, neither abode in any house, but in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him, and with a loud voice said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thy son, thy son of God most high? I beseech thee, torment me not. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man, for oftentimes it had caught him, and he was kept bound with chains and in fetters, and he broke the bands and was driven of the devil into the wilderness. And Jesus asked him, saying, What is thy name? And he said, Legion, because many devils were entered into him. And they, and they besought him that he would not command them to go out into the deep. And we go on, it talks about how Jesus sent the, the demons into the pigs. But then it also says about the man when he was delivered. Um, the, the, in verse 37, Then the whole multitude of the country of the Gadarenes around about besought him to depart for them. For they were taken with great fear, and he went up into the ship and returned back again. Now the man out of whom the devils were departed besought him that he might with him, but go be with him. But Jesus sent him away, saying, "Sorry, I should have read verse thirty-five." Then they went out to see what was done, and came to Jesus and found the man out of whom the devils were departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. The first verse we read there: "Let us go over onto the other side of the lake." And it's tale, this tells me that Jesus saw this man. Not with the physical eye, because the Sea of Galilee is a big sea. He couldn't see him with the eye, but he seen him with the eye of the Spirit. And here is a man that Jesus seen. Let us go over onto the other side of the lake. And Jesus doesn't, never spoke anything and never done anything without a purpose in it. He had a purpose because he had seen this man and the state that he was in. He's seen this man in chains, in bondage, out of his mind, living on the streets, among the tombs, tormented by devils. And I was thinking there, this, this demon here said the name was Legion. Now, Legion was 6,000 in Bible times, Roman times, 6,000. <coughs> what sort of state was this man in? What sort of state? Torment. Living with no clothes on among the tombs. Able to break chains and bands that the people put on him. But Jesus seen him. 
Jesus seen him from the other side of the lake. Now you can say tonight, does Jesus see me where I am? And the answer to that is yes. Jesus sees you where you are. He sees you in the struggle. He sees you in the hard times. He sees you at all times. And he went to this man and he set him free. He saw this man from the other side of the lake. Not with his eyes, but with the eyes of the Spirit. And it just says to me simply tonight, and I hope it encourages you, he sees you. Be encouraged. He sees you tonight. You know, that's just a simple message. I think it really shows the gospel. That Jesus seen us where, he, where we were, dead in our sins, with no hope. He came. He seen us, and he came from heaven to set us free. He set us free from our chains. He set us free from our bondage of sin. And he set us free. Put us in our right minds. Clothed us. And now we serve him. But he's seen us. He's seen this man. You know, Jesus saw Peter in prison. Peter was taken into prison. He was to go before the, the judge the next morning. And he saw Jesus. And in answer to those, he saw Peter and an answer to those prayers of the people, of the, of the other saints, he set Peter free. But he's seen him in the prison. The Lord saw Joseph in the pit. And he's seen him in the prison. He's seen what his brothers had done to him. It went back to his father and lied, said he'd been killed by a wild animal. But the Lord saw Joseph in the pit and in the prison. Tony mentioned Gideon this morning. The Lord saw Gideon hiding in the threshing floor. And he called him a mighty man of valor. But the Lord saw him with his eyes. The Lord saw David in the cave when King Saul had, had, had wanted to kill him. And he ran for his life. We're going to come back to that in a moment. The Lord saw, jo the Lord saw Jeremiah sinking in the miry clay. So ask yourselves tonight, does the Lord see me? Does he see me? And the answer is yes. He sees you right where you are. The Bible says the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous. And it says the eyes of the Lord are in every place. So be encouraged tonight for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. So the first aspect of an encouraging verse, what makes it, is that the Lord sees us. But also it says, back in Second Chronicles, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. Throughout the whole earth. And what that says to me, that God is never too far away. We are never too far away from God for God's help. The Bible says that God is able to save to the uttermost. God is able to save us to the uttermost. Listen, God is with us tonight. He not only sees us, but he is with us. His eyes cover the whole earth. There's no place that's too far away. And when we think of this in a geographic sense, you know, Pastor and Claire are in Germany tonight. Does the Lord see them because they've left here? Is he with them because they've left here? 
Yes, he's with them because he covers the whole earth. We think of Claire when she's in the Philippines, other side of the world. Is the Lord there? Yes, he's there. East to west, north to south, the Lord has it covered. And he sees us. You may have family members on the other side of the world. Some of you maybe have family in Australia. Other side of the world. Is the Lord there? Yes, he's there. God has it all covered. And we as a saints, he is with us. But it's deeper than just geographic. I believe it's in a spiritual sense also. He is with us where we are. Not only does he see us, but he is with us where we are. Proverbs 18, 24 says, there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And yes, it's good to have a friend, a natural friend who will support you and back you up and be honest with you. But this talks more of Jesus. There is a friend that sticks closer than a brother who identifies with us, who understands us, who knows our weaknesses, who knows our troubles. He knows us inside out. He knows us better than we even know ourselves. The Lord is with us. And he's there to help us. This friend said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. This friend is with you and I tonight. Because this friend is the Lord Jesus. He is with us tonight. He is with you where you are. Emotionally, spiritually, and in your natural everyday life, he is with us. He sees us and he is with us. We talked to David there. David was under pressure, extreme pressure, because he'd done nothing wrong. Do you, ever feel, do you feel like that at times? Just because you've done nothing wrong, but you're under pressure because of it. Saul wanted David dead out of pure jealousy. David had done nothing but serve the king. He'd done nothing but fight for the king. And he had done nothing to bring honor and glory to the king. But Saul hated him. Because he was jealous of him. Because the Lord had taken Saul's anointing away. And he'd given it to David. Saul tried to spear David to the wall. He drove him out. It cost him his friendship with his, with his great friend Jonathan. And he exiled him from the land. And even that, when he exiled him from the land, he just pursued him to kill him. And we find David in the cave of Adullam. And we find him in the cave of, uh, at Engedi. And he's in a cave. Maybe tonight you feel like you're in a cave. Maybe persecution has made you feel like, I'm in a cave here. I'm on my own. This is how David felt. And in Psalm 42, he raises up, a, Psalm 142, sorry. This is how David is feeling. This is one of his prayers from these caves. I cried unto the Lord with my voice. With my voice unto the Lord did I make my supplication. I poured out my complaint before him. I showed before him my trouble. Does that sound familiar? Have you done that? I know I have. More than once, I have complained to the Lord. <laughs> when my spirit was overwhelmed within me, 
Then thou knewest my path. In the way wherein I walked, have they privily laid a snare for me. When my spirit was overwhelmed. And maybe some of you have been there. But the Lord has been with you. I looked on my right hand and beheld, but there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me. No man cared for my soul. Do you ever think nobody understands? Do you ever think nobody can help me? I am beyond help. I am beyond human help. Friends try to encourage you, but it just does nothing. They try to give you advice, but it does nothing. And that's not to say we don't seek good advice. But there's sometimes we're just so under pressure that the words of man are not going to help. But then David says, I look, um, after he said that, no man cared for my soul. But he says, I cried unto thee, O Lord. I said, thou art my refuge and my portion in the land of the living. Attend unto my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are stronger than I. Bring my soul out of prison, that I may praise thy name. The righteous shall compass me about, for thou shalt deal bountifully with me. Do you know, there's times when we're just going to have to realize that the Lord is there with us. When the Lord is the only one that's going to do. We, we realize that the Lord is with us. The Lord was with David in the cave. He looked about him and there was no man. But he looked up and he found God. God was in the cave with him. Daniel 3, please. This is the story of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. We know these are familiar scriptures, but they're well worth reading. Three young men again that were under tremendous pressure. We know the background to the story, how they were brought in from captivity and brought into the kingdom to serve King Nebuchadnezzar. I said um, from verse 8, Wherefore at that time certain Chaldeans came near and accused the Jews. They spake and said to the king Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. Thou, O king, hast made a decree that every man that shall hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoso falleth not down and worship, worshipeth that he should be cast into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. There are certain Jews... When thou hast set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these men, O king, have not regarded thee. They serve not thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in his rage and fury, commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar speak and said unto them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, do not ye serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? Now if you be ready that at what time you hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music, you fall down and worship the image which I have made well. But if you worship not, you shall be cast the same hour into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? What a position to be in. Not much of a choice here. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. 
If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us in the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Then was Nebuchadnezzar full of fury, and the form of his visage was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Therefore he spake and commanded that they should heat the furnace one seven times more than it was wont to be heated. And he commanded the most mighty men that were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and to cast them into the burning fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats and, and, and their, their hats and their, their garments and were cast into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's commandment was urgent and the furnace exceeding hot, the flame of the fire slew the, those men that took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down, bound into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. The end. But it's not... It's not the end. It looked like it. And maybe in your situation, it looks like the end. It looks like there's no hope. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished and rose up in haste and spoke and said unto his counselors, Did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said unto the king, True, O king. He answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire and they have no hurt and the form of the fourth is like the son of God. What a verse. What a verse. What a difference. It says, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire. Jesus was there with them. The Lord was there with them. He set them free and he seen that there was no harm. God is with us tonight. And look at the outcome with Nebuchadnezzar. And then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spoke and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, ye servants of the Most High God, come forth and come hither. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came forth of the midst of the fire. And the princes, governors, and captains of the king's counselors, being gathered together, saw these men upon whose bodies the fire had no power, nor was a hair of their head singed, neither were their coats changed, nor the smell of fire had passed on them. Then Nebuchadnezzar spoke and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who have sent his angel and delivered his servants that trusted in him, and have changed the king's word, and yielded their bodies that they may not serve, that they may not serve nor worship any god except their own God. Jesus is in it with you. Jesus is in the storm and it looks like it's the end and it looks like you can't get out of it. It looks like you're, you've been corrupted. It looks like you have sold your, your, your faith to other people. But these men come out of this with not a smell of the fire upon them. What was the difference? Because God was with them. God was with them. We talked of Moses. He was in the backside of the desert. But God was there with him. Not only did he see him, he was there with him. And in God's timing and God's way, he revealed himself in the burning bush. We think of Peter. We know what he had done. He denied the Lord. Was he too far away? No, he wasn't. Because Jesus restored him. The Lord was with him. 
the Lord said to, God said to, Mo, or to Josh, Joshua, Have I not commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. That's not just to Joshua, that's to us. God does not just see us, he is with us. I will never leave you, nor forsake you. Just let me read a small piece of Psalm 139, just to finish that point. It's familiar to you, but this shows that the Lord is with us. O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my down sitting and mine uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. Thou compassest my path and my lying down and art acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it all together. Thou hast beset me behind and before and laid thine hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain unto it. Where should I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend up into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be a light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to, you, alike to thee. For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. Listen, the Lord sees us tonight and he is with us tonight. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. To do what? The third aspect of an encouraging verse. Not only does he see us, not only is he with us, but he is ready to show his strength on our behalf. Why did the Lord, why has his eyes run to and fro throughout the whole earth? To show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect towards him. What an encouragement. Not only sees us, not only is he with us, but he is strong on our behalf. God is not a spectator in our lives. Some people believe that God is just a spectator. He's just left you to get on with it. He saved us and he said, puts us over there and just says, right, well, look after yourself for a while and I'll come back periodically and see you. God is not a spectator in your life and he's not a spectator in my life. He's not a distant father. He's not a distant father. He is a hands-on father. He's not aloof. He is a God who loves us. He doesn't stand afar off. He comes close. He came close through his son, Jesus. He sent him to earth to die on the cross for us. What is God saying to us tonight? To each of us tonight. Let me show myself strong on your behalf. You know, God's strength is more than enough. It's more than you'll ever need and more than I'll ever need. What does the Bible say? No weapon that is formed against us shall prosper. No weapon that is formed against us shall prosper. Let me just read First Samuel to you. 
some of these words are just encouraging and just let them sink in tonight. See what the Lord is saying to us. This is what David said when he came to, to Goliath. He said, Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield. But I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defiled. This day will the Lord deliver thee into my hand, and I will smite thee and take thine head from thee, and I will give, I will give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the earth and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. Who won the battle? Yes, David threw the stone, but God directed the pebble. He directed it. The battle is the Lord's. And yes, there's times when the battle is tough. Listen, Goliath, I know we say the giant Goliath, but Goliath was a giant, both naturally and spiritually. He was a spiritual giant against the armies of Israel. And there's giants in our lives that look like giants. They're big, they're loud, they're vulgar, they're intimidating. They shout out fearful words at us. But the battle belongs to the Lord. God wants to show himself strong on our behalf. No battle is too big for him. Listen, Goliath wasn't big enough. Goliath had big brothers. He could have got them and he still wouldn't have been big enough. Because nothing can stand against the Lord. He is on your side tonight. Just a few verses back there in Second Chronicles 13. We're almost finished. I know it's warm tonight. And this is the sort of encouraging language in these stories that show us that the Lord is strong on our behalf. Now in the 18th year, chapter 13, now in the 18th year of King Jeroboam began Abijah to reign over Judah. He reigned three years in Jerusalem. His mother's name also was Micaiah, the daughter of Uriel of Gibeah, and there was war between Abijah and Jeroboam. And Abijah set the battle in array with an army of valiant men of war, even 400,000 men. Now, 400,000 men, you think, we're not doing too bad here with a fighting chance. And I would have thought that, and you would think that. Jeroboam also set the battle in array against him with 800,000 chosen men being mighty men of valor. Now, you'd have thought 400,000, I'm doing all right. And then when you looked out and you seen 800,000 looking back at you, you would have thought, we're in trouble. We're in trouble. But listen to what Abijah said. And Abijah stood up upon Mount Semiram, which is Mount Ephraim, and said, Hear me, thou Jeroboam and all Israel. Ought ye not to know that the Lord God of Israel gave the kingdom over Israel to David forever? even to him and to his sons by a covenant of salt. Yet Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, the servant of Solomon, the son of David, is risen up and have rebelled against his Lord. 
And there are gathered unto him vain men, the children of Belial, and have strengthened themselves against Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, when Rehoboam was young and tender-hearted and could not withstand them. And now ye think to withstand the kingdom of the Lord in the hand of the sons of David. And ye be a great multitude, and there are with you golden casts which Jeroboam made you for gods. Have ye not cast out the priests of the Lord, the sons of Aaron, the Levites? Have ye not made, have you, have and have made you priests after the manner of the nations of other lands, so that whatsoever cometh to consecrate himself with a young bullock and seven rams, the same may be a priest of them that are no, that are no gods. But as for us, the Lord is our God, and we have not forsaken him. And the priests which minister unto the Lord are the sons of Aaron and the Levites, wait upon their business." And they burn unto the Lord every morning and every evening, burnt sacrifices and sweet incense. The shewbread also set they in order upon the pure table and the candlestick of gold with the lamps thereof to burn every evening. For we keep the charge of the Lord our God, but ye have forsaken him. And behold, God himself is with us for our captain and his priests with sounding trumpets to cry alarm against you. O children of Israel, fight ye not against the Lord, God of your fathers, for you shall not prosper. You know, I think it's just some verses here. You think of verse 12 there. And behold, uh, he says, sorry, ye fight ye not against the Lord, God of your fathers, for you shall not prosper. And he's saying to his enemy, do you really want to take me on? Do you really want to get into this fight? Do you really want to take the Lord on? Because the enemy shouts and squeals and threatens. But does he really want to take the Lord on in your life? Because the Lord is going to fight on your behalf. Let's read on. But Jeroboam caused an ambushment to come about behind them. So they were before Judah and the ambushment was behind them. This was a surprise attack. They weren't expecting this. The enemy was before them. The enemy was behind them. There was no escape. Look what they done. And when Judah looked back, behold, the battle was before and behind. And they cried unto the Lord. And the priests sounded with the trumpets. Then the men of Judah gave a shout. And as the men of Judah shouted, it came to pass that God smote Jeroboam and all Israel before Abijah and Judah. And the children of Israel fled before Judah, and God delivered them into their hand. And Abijah and his people slew them with a great slaughter. So there fell down slain of Israel 500,000 chosen men. Thus the children of Israel were brought under at that time, and the children of Judah prevailed because they relied upon the Lord God of their fathers. And Abijah pursued after Jeroboam and took cities from him, Bethel with the towns thereof, and, and Jesenah with the towns thereof, and Ephraim with the towns thereof. Listen to this. Neither did Jeroboam recover strength again in the days of Abijah, and the Lord struck him, and he died. He didn't recover his strength again. When God delivers the knockout blow on our behalf, nobody's getting up. Your enemy is not getting up. When God delivers the knockout blow, he is with us and he is just ready and willing and able to show himself strong on our behalf. Does that encourage you tonight? Be encouraged because God is our strength. 
Just one more story. Second Chronicles 14, just a chapter on. Just reading from verse 8. Another king of Judah. And Asa had an army of men that bore targets and spears out of Judah. 300,000. And out of Benjamin that bore shields and drew bones. 204 score thousand. All these were mighty men of valor. 580,000. The odds are looking good. And there came out against them Sarah the Ethiopian with a host of a thousand thousand and three hundred chariots and came unto Marashah. That's a million and three hundred chariots. So the odds are not looking so good now. But again, listen to what Asa says. And Asa cried unto the Lord his God and said, Lord, it is nothing with thee to help, whether with many or with them that have no power. I read that verse in preparing this. That just really encouraged me. Lord, it doesn't matter how many there is. Clifford said there tonight, we can have church even when we're on our own because the Lord's here. And it's the same. We just need the Lord. It doesn't matter whether there's many against you, what the situation is, how dark it looks, the Lord can deliver you out of anything, whether with many or with them that have no power. And there's many times we think, I have no power. I can't do it anymore. You've been there. I've been there. But listen, the Lord comes in and he shows himself strong on our behalf. Help us, O Lord our God, for we rest on thee. It's an interesting word. We rest on thee. 580,000 and a million coming against you. It's not exactly the word you would use. We rest on thee. But listen, there's a rest in the Lord. As we trust in him, we can rest in the Lord. We rest on thee and in thy name we go against this multitude. O Lord, thou art our God. Let not man prevail against thee. Listen, God will never put you to shame. No man can beat God. No man can overcome God. They will never prevail against him. They can threaten it. They can shout about it. But God, will, they will never prevail against God. So the Lord smote the Ethiopians before Asa and before Judah. And the Ethiopians fled. And Asa and the people that were with him pursued them unto Gerar. And the Ethiopians were overthrown that they could not recover themselves. Again, there was no recovery after this. God delivered a knockout blow where there was no recovery. For they were destroyed before the Lord and before his host. And they carried away very much spoil. And they smote all the cities round about Gera. For the fear of the Lord came upon them. And they spoiled all the cities for there was exceeding much spoil in them. They smote also the tents of cattle and carried away sheep and camels in abundance. And returned to Jerusalem. The Lord is looking to show himself strong on your behalf. Not only does he see us, he is with us and he is ready to show himself strong on our behalf. There's one caveat which is very important and that's the last bit of the verse. Whose heart is perfect toward him. Now you can turn around tonight and say, oh Lord, I'm not perfect. Well listen, I'm in the same boat as you doesn't mean perfect as in perfect one commentator puts it this way and I think this is, describes it well 
It means that we're sincere. Not absolutely perfect, but aiming towards it. Single-minded in walking as in the presence of God. Our hearts are turned towards him. That our trust is in him. Not that we make mistakes. We will make mistakes. But the intention of our heart is to serve him. It is to trust him. It is to look to him for all of our supply and all of our need. If you look at what it says there, Asa later on in his life became arrogant. And he, the Lord spoke this verse to him. And he says, Herein thou hast done foolishly. Therefore from henceforth thou shalt have wars. Listen, do you ever notice when your heart's not after God, you have wars. I don't mean you have wars with guns and bombs, and, but there's turmoil in our lives. There's disturbances in our lives. There's things that just don't fit into place. Because our hearts are not perfect towards him. We're not trusting him. We're not saying, Lord, I want you to sort this out. I want you to help me. You're not calling upon him. Listen, that's the one caveat. Let your heart be turned towards the Lord. Let your heart be perfect towards the Lord. And with that perfect heart, we will see the strength of God work in our lives. In our situation, the Lord helps us to fight. And in his will and in his time, as we wait upon him, he will show himself strong and he will bring you through. If our desire is selfish, listen, we can't claim the promises of this verse. How can we be encouraged if we're selfish? But we call upon God and we say, Lord, I am yours. You see me, you are with me, and I show yourself strong on my behalf. He is strong to deliver. He is strong to sustain you. He is strong to bring you out. He is strong to see you through. He is strong to do what he said he would do in your life. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. We praise you. We worship you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's just, just to yourself, let's just worship him and lift him up. We'll be finished in a few moments, but just be encouraged by him and let it lift your heart and praise and worship and, and, and adoration unto him. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you. Glory to your name, Lord. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We glorify you, Lord. We worship you for who you are. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the King. Hallelujah. We glorify you, Lord. Who is there like you, Lord? Who is there like you, Lord? Who is there like you, Jesus? Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. If there's stuff you're going through in your own life, listen, just lift up your voice and praise him. Lift up your voice and worship him. Your heart, let it be turned to him. And he will come in and he will sustain you. 
Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Lord, what have we to fear from man? Lord, what have we to fear from the enemy of our souls? Lord, we have nothing to fear, Lord, because you are with us. Lord, you are the strength of our heart. Lord, you are our strength and our shield. Lord, we want to thank you tonight that your eyes are upon us, Lord God. Your eyes run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show yourself strong and those that have a heart that is perfect towards you. Lord, we thank you that you look upon us tonight. Lord, I ask you afresh tonight that your people would see your eyes that, are, that they are upon them, Lord God. Lord, your people in this room tonight, Lord God, let your eyes look upon them in a fresh and new way, Lord God. Lord, I ask you, Lord, that your people would know your presence, Lord God, that they would know that you are with them, that they would know that you never leave them nor forsake them, Lord God. Lord, that all things that are going on in their lives, Lord God, that you have sanctioned them, Lord God. Lord, that, 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 that it will bring, bring good to their lives, that it will all work together for good, Lord God. Lord, show yourself strong in their behalf. Lord, come in, Lord God. Lord, when the enemy comes in, Lord God, like a flood, raise up that standard of power that is in your spirit, Lord God, that nothing can stand against, Lord. Lord, do that, give that knockout blow, Lord God, in situations in people's lives here tonight, Lord God. Give them that breakthrough, Lord God. Give them that, 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 that new day, Lord God. Lord, wipe away those tears, Lord God, and let them see that you are strong on their behalf, Lord. Lord, your word says, oh yeah, let God arise and let his enemies be scattered. Lord, we claim that tonight, Lord God, as a people whose hearts are perfect towards you tonight, Lord God. We sincerely want you, Lord God. We sincerely want to serve you, Lord God. We sincerely want you in our lives tonight, Lord God. Our hearts are turned towards you tonight, Lord God. Lord, minister to your people. Let your strength flood their lives. Let it flood their situations, Lord God. Let that, 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 that burden, Lord, that is not of you be lifted off, Lord God. Lord, the burden that, that you're bringing people through, Lord, sustain them to carry it, Lord, as they move through it, Lord God. And Lord, in the midst of it all, we give you the glory. We give you the honor, Lord God, for you are worthy of it all. Lord, we worship you tonight. We magnify you tonight, Lord God. You are our Lord. You are our God. And you are our great King. We magnify you tonight, Lord God. We worship you, Lord. The battle belongs to the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. We magnify you for who you are and we give you the glory. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord.